Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. Today's episode is a continuation of the last one on shamanism, and we address kundalini awakenings, energetic transmissions of all kinds, and the important reasons why sagehood and sainthood must be distinguished from each other in order to fully realize the depths of each. Quick announcement on June 17, 2023, in the Clubhouse app, our friend Eric Grace will host a gathering of EBE and soul mentors to talk about identity, EBE, and answer questions for participants. That will be at 10.30 Pacific time on Clubhouse in the Holy, that's with a WH, the Holy Human Club. Stace, Bree, Eric, myself, and others will be there, and when we get together, very interesting things tend to happen, so I hope you can make it. You'll find the invite in the show notes. If you can't make it and uh, or want to email questions for us to field, you can always email me at joseph, J-O-S-E-F, at clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Greetings and welcome forward to this. Uh, this is our second, I believe, Mercury Retrograde edition. So we've been, for the last five minutes that you've, listeners and watchers, have not been having to deal with, you've been uh, insulated through the magic of editing and technology uh, from the horrible retrograde experience. I had a hard drive die and f- completely forgot how to do the things that I typically do. And now you know that I did that and you didn't have to deal with it. So welcome. Thanks, Stace, for being here. <laughs> I'm in a completely weird mood, barely capable of doing what we're doing today, but we're going to do it anyway. And um, yeah. And this, all, this all unfolds in the real world. Uh, and that means the real outside world and the real inside world. So yeah, we just we just surf reality. You yeah, know? Just, it's I'm, as the producer yeah. of this podcast, I want to be real about what's going on with me, and so I'm going to spend 30 <laughs> seconds talking about that in the beginning of this damn thing. So um, I just want to briefly say before we get started today, I've been getting um, a, a lot of uh, emails from just random listeners and and watchers of the podcast, and that's been so lovely to hear from people. So if anyone has been uh, felt shy or unsure about reaching out. I've had some lovely conversations with people. Uh, I had a number of people ask me to uh, read Soul Species for them, which has been really fun. And um, yeah, it's just been cool to get to know who's out there, who's listening, what their questions are. And we are going to do guests sometime in the very near future. I just have to get my head around how to do that. And um, I've not been able to get my head around much this week, so I haven't gotten to it. <laughs> Well, when the when the heart's busy getting its essence around everything, the the head takes a second seat. So, yeah, yeah, it ne- it never ceases to amaze me the how many layers there are of losing how your mind typically works, and then uh, having it re up and re come together in some new way. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think I said last week, oh, I forgot, I couldn't figure out the difference between four and five and once just trying to count something once. And I was like, <laughs> really? Wow, that's a new level of uh, demindifying. Um, but I'm still somehow able to function despite not knowing the difference. Well, you know, that relates to what we ended uh, last week with um, uh, after I think we completed the podcast taping. And we talked a little bit about uh, feeling crazy, remember, mm. about uh, could this paradigm really be this big? Um, 
And uh, I, I replied, of course, uh, that I'm always in doubt, all, always looking for the, the black swan, you know, in a world mm-hmm. of white swans in terms of contradictions in the metaphysics or some unfoldment of, the, of um, identity that just doesn't uh, resonate. But I had, I had another quick thought here that relates to what you just said. Um, Joseph had asked me in this post-conversation um, if we'd ever felt crazy um, that so many things are answerable and transmutable in this paradigm. Uh, how, how could that possibly be? How could that possibly be? And I, I, um, I had a second thought about it and it relates to today also. Mm-hmm. And that is that um, it's it's not it's not confirmatory, but it's evidential um, that when you it would make sense that it can address anything transmutatively um, and and reasonably and soulfully if if its basic assumption um, was correct. In other words, uh, the the assumption that we're emotional, soulful beings first, before we're energetic beings, before we're mental beings, before we're physical beings, before we're willful beings. If if a paradigm nailed the essential fiber or fabric of human consciousness, then it would semi metalogically um, be able to answer, excellent. Uh, answer just about everything in ways mm. that life-changing you uh, see yeah 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 mm-hmm. it would it would be armed with the imprimatur of the essence of human consciousness which has eluded um psychology spirituality and philosophy um all these thousands not tens of thousands of years so um in that sense it's sort of a um i don't want to use the, the phrase left-handed um affirmation of the paradigm's yeah. possible accuracy uh, because left was always seen as uh the, the yin you know and okay. um i don't want a left-handed compliment as a diss on the sacred yin yeah but i just wanted to add that little fold to our post um podcast uh, taping from last week that mm. uh, we, we always have doubt um all of us in this paradigm are always testing it and uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we stumbled on um, on the essence of human consciousness because it uh, it proves itself every single day when we're not looking to try to prove itself. Yeah, yeah, right. To me, one of the most impressive things about the paradigm has always been its ability to precipitate e- emergent, unintentional, unplanned <laughs> outcomes. Like the majority yeah. of the changes, the vast majority, I think, are not intended. And um, yes. that's both the reward and the price you pay. Because... Oh, nicely put. Oh, yeah, because that, there's another dimension to that. Mm-hmm. And that is that not only are the consequences of the unfoldment unintended, they tend to be shattering our positive expectation of change. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's never, almost never positive. Well, Two times out of 10, an unfoldment will be surprisingly positive. But now we circle back to what, what started this piece of the conversation, yeah. that uh, it's a negative um, uh, from one point of view. It's a su- more suffering that has to be processed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always, as you said, as you said here a few moments ago, there's always a meta helpable positivity, even to the suffering. Mm-hmm. So. If a paradigm claims uh, or, or reports that every unexpected um, 
uh, unfoldment uh, unintended was positive, I'd certainly, if that was the case in identity, I'd certainly be um, suspicious that we've yeah. got an unconscious uh, thing going on. But when it's created to have a, a, a more palpable suffering, but with an adjoining positivity that knows you're you're on track for healing. Yeah. So really. Yeah, I was saying to um, Stace before we started recording that I've been uh, just my heart has felt so open the last, I don't know, it's been going on for a while, but there are waves and waves of it the last few months, but especially the last few weeks, that it just feels so open that it hurts just to exist. And I can feel the green part of me, uh, the, um, what do we call that these days? Not the shadow, motively the ego. Motively inauthentic. Yes, that's a green is a shorthand for that again. And I can feel it's like, this is what you wanted. Okay, so you're feeling more. Why would you want this? And of course, of course, we all want to feel the good feelings more love and joy and you know, the good feelings. But on the way to that, you have to feel the, you know, in this case, I think it's just like a existential trepidation. It's like a mix of fear Mm -hmm. and um, uh, sorrow and rawness and like there's a deeper me that knows like this is all really good but it's extremely uncomfortable and um, the dreams I have are, are awful these days and I wake up way too early and it's it's all really unpleasant but somehow I experience it as meta good yeah exactly well, and the other dimension to that, if I might uh, offer, from Please. from most of us who would report such a, a denouement of any particular growth arc of growth, and that is that um, a lot of times this rawness uh, has not been available to earthen incarnation for thousands of years. Mm. That that identity um, for people who've worked the longest um, uh, will unearth things that were never healable in past lives because we never had the um, the essence of human consciousness diagnosed and a dharma based on that diagnosis ever before. Yeah. So all these um, lifetimes that all of us have had, hundreds and hundreds, um, had issues that never were healable until the diagnosis of the essence of human consciousness became available. So uh, what Joseph is speaking to here, and I want to honor that, um, that aspect that feels so raw and porous that it's, it's even difficult just to exist, has, hasn't been sucking earth oxygen for about a thousand and a half years mm-hmm. or, or 1200 years. So um, that's going to be onerous. All of a sudden, that soulful aspect has, is now abiding at the level of the um, of, of the human in, in human consciousness and it's awful this that awful feeling had to be suppressed to carry on and learn and keep learning uh, uh, what it means to be a, a human being having or a spiritual being having human experience and related so, to that let me jump on that for a second related to that I noticed myself going um, sort of in and out of my local personality, in willfully intending my way through the day. And when I mean willfully, sometimes it's just as simple as like, here's the four things I want to do today. And (laughs) some days that happens. Usually it's a mix of I can do that and I can't. And some days it's like, 
I, I am having more and more of the experience of what I do in a day is not my decision at all. And mm -hmm. some days that feels very much like a struggle. Other days it feels like play, like, oh, I wonder where I'll be guided to today. Exactly. And some days it's horribly depressing that I'm not in control of that. And that would, of course, be control, um, mm -hmm. having that experience. And other times it's lovely. And so it, and then, of course, all of the feelings about all of that are just getting washed out like, oh, this is lovely. Look, I'm in the journey of life and the divine is here and guiding me to do certain things. And other times it's just like, well, who am I and where, what say do I get to have in what I do today? It's 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 a lot. It's wow. A lot. Um, but okay. it all feels really positive and I didn't intend for any of this to happen. Well, I just, I just heard uh, some voice out there in the podcast land. Uh, so one of the listeners and this, this could be uh, my own projection, but it feels like there's someone out there going, well, um, you could, you could, um, what, what's the term in uh, philosophy, um, where, uh, your conclusions, um, support your erroneous your positive conclusions support your erroneous assumptions it's, uh, it's called begging uh, the question confirmation confirmation, confirmation bias. bias yeah yeah mm -hmm. uh, somebody's thinking well what you're saying about this uh, could all be confirmation bias because um you're interpreting the unfolding positives as positive because you believe you've un you've uncovered the essence of human consciousness. Yeah. And I I applaud that that's a reasonable question. I I if I didn't know much about identity, I'd certainly think of that. So all, all we can say at some point uh, as the old Zen masters used to say, all they can do is point at the moon. Um mm. they, they can't um uh, you can't you can't know what this paradigm really involves until you walk a bunch of miles within across the desert of um our, uh, our 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 dreams uh, not manifesting as yeah. human all these millennia mostly mostly and you know i've been talking with my lady a lot about this um related to people doing this work or not and you know when it gets hard and what do they do and you know ebe i think it really is crazy like it really is crazy it's just the reason to do it for anybody is because you see everything else is far crazier yeah, that's, that's good really word. what it comes down to. You don't yeah. do it because it's some known, you know, non-experimental <laughs> entity where that's going to get you exactly where you want to go. You do it because everything else looks completely idiotic to you and you've tried it or seen through everything else. Right. And exactly. then you're just left with this. And it's the only thing that really makes sense after you see through everything else. And um, yeah, and that's the bane. That's the bane <laughs> yeah. and the benefit. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, and that leads right into uh, our completion of our topic about shamanism, yes. actually. Okay. Because um, let's uh, start with the thing called Diksha, mm. uh, which was really uh, zooming across the world back in the late 80s and 90s and early 2000s, um, started by uh, a person in India. Kalki who, was his name, I believe. I think I think you're right. Um, either he or one of his first lieutenants uh, or um, next level down to spread this around the world, this Diksha thing, uh, uh, said that uh, um, Earth Earth is a toilet, and uh, we, um, we the the only real uh, sane thing to do is to get get out of here as soon as possible, uh, something to that effect. And so there, that's all we need. There is their paradigmatic <laughs> assumption for Diksha. And, I, and I'll give you a quick personal story on it. I didn't hear much. I heard I heard the term, but I once went for a haircut 
in Ashland, Oregon. Um, uh, I think it was, yeah, it wasn't, it, I, it was in Ashland. And because uh, I was 15 years there. Yeah. Um, and uh, the guys, the guys cutting my hair and uh, uh, I, I felt something weird while he was using the scissors. And um, it, as he washed my, or before that, even washing my hair, I, I felt something weird. And then as he was cutting my hair, uh, he would stop uh, for a moment and then smooth out the hair with his hand. And then he'd switch over and do the other hand. And uh, once in a while, he'd put both down and then put his hands on my head and kind of ruffle the hair as if he needs to do that to move to the next thing. I didn't I had a little bit more hair than I had now. Uh, <laughs> but um, And then I started to get a headache and I, and I, I had to I had to stop him. Said, what what do you what? are you doing something here and, and oh, you, oh you noticed wow that's really good news wow yeah i'm dick i'm giving you a diksha and i said you're giving me what uh he said well it's it's an enlightenment thing and and uh, i got enlightened by it and i'm, I'm going to get you enlightened i'm doing it with all my customers and i said do you do you do you do you getting permission for people? To, oh no! Why would I? We all want to get the hell out of here, right? Uh, uh, it's, a, it's it's enlightenment. That means we don't have to come back here anymore. Because there's, and I said, well, you know, real enlightenment says there's nothing to return anyway. There's nothing <laughs> to return anyway. And he said, and here was this. He looked at me. and said, what? <laughs> I mean, it's um, just so crazy how Westerners get so duped into this stuff. At any rate, um, I was able to clear it out. My, I, 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 I folded the haircut. And I said, "I'll, I'll take over from here," mm. and, um, and then started preaching the, um, the negativities to Abdiksha to anyone who would listen. At that point, because it's the scary part about it was that it was and still is um, uh, semi-effective in doing something, yeah. but it's a one-size-fits-all to all the levels of consciousness. They they have no clue about the difference between soul species, soul age, psychological um, programming, um, uh, conditioning. Uh, all these things make uh, the delivery of this zap of energetics um, uh, some, the, something that can be very toxic uh, for people. Um, I've know I've known people who had uh, over fifty or a hundred dictions, mm -hmm. and uh, we uh, we had to even develop a a, a, a protocol for those to try to help people recover from that many dictions because the person who had over a hundred, it fried his motherboard, his chakra body motherboard. And this, this guy can't, this person couldn't anymore after that access any wounds, wound based things that of any consequence because he be, he was crippled by his uh, over a hundred dictions. So um, he may think that he's growing, but um, uh, that many dictions. When two of us uh, separately looked at his, uh, his 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 chakra wire motherboard, and it was fried. It so floats, uh, if I remember right, it floats people off of their bottom three chakras in a really kind of like uh, like um, like when they fuse people's vertebra. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, good point. That's a good metaphor. It like creates yeah. an energetic structure that's really hard to do. It, and it, because the um, there's a dark side to this uh, person, uh, just because he came from India doesn't mean there isn't darkness. Uh, in oh, you mean the Indians are not all like just perfect and enlightened and sweet and loving, and that's not just part of the culture. Well, um, that's too many times the picture of the gullible West. That's yeah. for sure.
Um, so at any rate, uh, addiction is just about one of the most toxic things out there, and it made its way around the world, and a lot of people were paying a lot of money, $5,000 uh, for a single addiction I heard from someone, or 3000 3, I think it came in packages, and people would go there yeah. and live there and get a right, bunch of them. Right. And, yeah. Anything is a shortcut to quote unquote enlightenment. Uh, and this is not even real enlightenment. It was much more of an, a oneness kind of uh, enlightenment, right. not a non-dual kind of enlightenment. So already it's it's a, it's not what the Buddha taught or what uh, um, ancient uh, Advaita Vedanta taught, teaches. But how does that, how did Shakti transmissions actually work? Because Diksha is not the only one. The trend, the idea that you could transmit consciousness into someone in that way is an old idea, an old practice. Yeah, or, or at least a segment, sort of like a, the same thing with gene editing. You know, it's a good metaphor. They mm. can splice out a segment of your of your DNA and uh, futz with it, uh, treat it uh, with some uh, chemicals and irradiation and stuff. Um, and so it's like that. Uh, there's a piece of, of, of consciousness that you can graft onto other people uh, if the if the person has the gift of transmissibility of this kind of well, consciousness. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna out you here about about something that maybe you haven't thought okay. of in a long time. Okay. Back in back in the day when we were living in Ashland, you had this special trick that you could do that you I remember you did it at least twice with me. Um, where uh, we'd be hanging out drinking because we were fans of wine, and um, you could make me sober. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and there was one time you 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 said I don't know I you know I probably had four or five glasses of wine, and um, you just looked in my eyes and and you said I remember you saying something like I can make you sober if you want. It only lasts like a minute or two, and and you looked in my eyes and something happened and it actually worked. And then there was yeah. another time that was even more memorable where um, we were at that Italian place near the um, plaza that's probably not there anymore. Oh, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah it turned yeah. into a Greek uh, place and probably yes, changed right, right. since then. And right. um, <laughs> it was a big group of us, and I was drinking and drinking and drinking, and I'm like, boy, I'm drinking a lot of wine, and it's really good, and it's not, like, affecting me at all, I said out loud. And then I saw <laughs> out of the corner of my eye, you were just kind of smirking. And I remember saying, are you doing something? And you were like, hmm, me, you know? And then... <laughs> You you left a little on earlier than the rest of us, and like three four minutes after you left, I was wasted. It all caught up with me. So somehow I get the sense that this somehow relates to this domain of shakti transmissions because you can do this kind of stuff. So yeah. I want to hear how it works and what it is. Well, um, first of all, you've got to take advantage of someone who trusts you. <laughs> For sure, I and I did and do. And I don't. <laughs> and whenever I've done it, I've only done it with a few people, and you're one of the few, literally. Uh, I, I sometimes make jokes with, the, say, would you like me to take the calories out of your wine, you know, uh -huh. uh, sometimes. But um, there's there's a way of, um, with love, uh, not with any sort of a dark motive, conscious or unconscious, just a fun little thing that doesn't last very long, as opposed to doing diksha, which tends to be a permanent um, etching or one that takes a while to work through if you're otherwise healthy. Uh -huh. So I, I don't know how to describe it. It's a third eye implant um, is the best way to say it. It's a like a little temporary. It's like a um, think of a, a of a pill you take that has a um, a time release uh, uh, um, coating around it. It's a very short-lived <laughs> kind of third eye um, uh, implant kind of thing. 
for fun that has nothing to do with any central issue of the person. It's just funny to play with the nervous system that way. But wh so, how did you learn to do that? When when did you I, discover you could do that? I, I just knew I could. Um, uh -huh. uh, and I tested it on three or four people over the years. You most of all, because you were the most fun to do that and with. Here's but. another example. I get to reveal fun things from, from Stasis Past. When we would play Legretto, the, oh, the yeah. kids card game, <laughs> you would sometimes energetically intervene and cause people to win or lose. <laughs> I remember being, I remember you never made me win. I always wanted, because you were working against my natural uh, greens competitive nature, but I saw you make other people win and they were just on fire. And I, you did once make me lose. And it was like, I mean, it was like I was drugged. I was like so confused and I felt so slow <laughs> and it was, it was all in good fun, but still like, yeah, yeah. And I would, you know, I, and I feel a little sheepish that you've outed me here because I, I wouldn't do that again. I wouldn't do that anymore. Um, uh, those were the days where um, I was I was playing and it was harmless, but it's still not right to do. And so um, <laughs> that was funny it was, as hell. It, 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 it <laughs> was it was. But again, it's just about it's like you can jam radar, you yeah. know, with a certain frequency. So that's mm -hmm. all I was doing was jamming or supporting enhancing someone's uh, um, uh, consciousness or impeding it just a little bit, just bending the light slightly so it prisms, you know. And, and, and I get now because I have this experience with with my girlfriend because she's very open to me and very energetically sensitive and I can kind of do things like that with her. So the, the, the no victimhood rule applies. The person has to be letting you in. Yes, so you're not right. really doing something to them. No, you're just sort of no, riding no. how they already let you in. Sure. But and and it was yeah, and it, it was all in good fun. Um, and I, I was liberal with, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't I never used it to win for myself. No, no, you never did I, that. I never yeah. did that. It was not self-warned. It was just sort of uh, seeing what I could do and couldn't do by 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 jamming radar or enhancing radar, you know. So I was same, you know. But it's the same kind of thing that transmissions yeah. are doing. It's a third eye mediated energetic. Yes activity yeah. yeah it's um it's translated shamanically through the hands uh for most people shakti is mostly but it can also be transmitted without the hands uh if it's a powerful transmitter but again um when i said um i only did it with people who who trusted me um that's pejorative in a couple of different ways because i you could say i took advantage of that but it was sort of like how you know, um, uh, really good friends uh, play gags and jokes yeah. on each other, you know. So it was completely harmless that way. But I, I was learning also myself that that was possible to do. Mm -hmm. And so the motive for doing it has to be really 100% above board. And I would never do it again um, uh, uh, without permission. Mm -hmm. But at least it was in jovial, jovial context and fun. But it, oh, these so kinds fun. of things... I was learning myself about what could and couldn't be done, and I thought this would be a, a harmless, fun way to do it. But no one never noticed except you. <laughs> <laughs> I tended to notice more often, yeah. Oh, yeah, because your antennas are so finely honed, you know. Yeah, so, I would just get like, something is going on here. Why do I feel like I have tunnel vision suddenly or need glasses? Yeah, well, and but see, back to the point. Thanks. Uh, that was fun. Uh, and yeah. I'm glad I had a chance to apologize uh, <laughs> in in effect here. I would never do that again. Mm. Uh, but still, uh, 
when I said you ha person has to trust you, um, that whole trust thing um, is completely ob is uh, is not in play when people do diksha unknowingly. They don't tell you what you're doing. I didn't tell anyone, but I wasn't I wasn't trying to make them enlightened. I was just trying to play some fun with rolling the dice. I used to I used to have a little bit of um, ability to to you know uh, change the way dice roll. Um, oh. Just a little bit of um, mm -hmm. uh, what do they call that uh, psychopathy or something? Uh, uh, telekinesis. Telekinesis, yeah. I, I, I made a penny move once about three centimeters uh, when I was exhausted afterward. It was just, it's, that's just fool's gold. That's just, you know, I was a young kidder and, and I, I'm, I didn't know what the hell was up at the time. But these kind of um, downside, there's this kind of activity is completely surreptitious and for a lot for this hair, hair cutter, for example. And, and, and uh, I found out later through hearsay uh, that uh, this happens a lot with people who um, are in the helping professions, massage therapists who are doing it uh, without oh, yeah. the knowing it, and so um, it's one thing to try to to try to fool someone into uh, enlightenment, but you're playing with fire here because uh, these can affect the way the neurons um, talk to each other in the central nervous system, and that's the downside of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Mine were time release, <laughs> very quick to uh, 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 go away, uh, um, like when I left the restaurant that day, then I was no longer broadcasting in that jamming frequency, so you didn't get drunk. You know? Yeah, that was, that was one of the most memorable and hilarious ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. The rug and I pulled can, out. And I have to be, uh, you know, honest too, uh, when you have these kinds of gifts, uh, you really have to learn what's right to do and what's not right to do, mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of people who... Who do this kind of stuff um, that have unconsciously uh, uh, wound-based motives, and uh, maybe my fun stuff at the time had some unconscious wounds to it. I can't say yes or no to that, but I couldn't. I would never say no. Of course, there wasn't. Well, but. yeah, and I know from. I mean, you know, my I, I uh, I've never tried to sober someone up or or influence a game like that. I've never tried to do that. I probably uh, be fun to play around with, but. Um, you know, my, my third eye is somewhat open and there have been definitely times where I've been in like, it always happens to me in grocery stores, you know, I'm looking for yeah. the pickles mm -hmm. or whatever. And someone walks by me and I'm like, Oh, that person had sexual abuse. And it's like, Whoa, I yeah. didn't, I don't want to know that. Like right. was right. some part of me reading that out. And I know people with open third eyes because it's an any six chakra okay. thing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. there's a certain responsibility that comes with not looking. But yes. if there's not a wholly owned owner, if there's not an ownership of the gift, then it starts to right. kind of operate independently or unconsciously. And that can be invasive. Yes. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, if you're not aware that, that these things are coming into you because it became so normalized, maybe in your childhood, just you don't even know it's happening. Uh, it leaves room for our unconscious wounding, which remember is about two thirds by yeah. by default of our whole consciousness storage, uh, unconscious storage, um, conscious storage, uh, unconscious storage. Sorry. Um, so that's exactly right. Uh, so the third eye is an any. It's not a spotlight that you look through the darkness with and identify things. It's just things just come, and uh, you can learn to adjust um, by not look by kind of I'm not going to pay attention to what I'm getting right now. Mm -hmm. You can do that. 
But that's about as most you can do when you have a really profound gift like I do and you do and Bree. Uh, yeah, and I, I remember <laughs> it was only I'd only known you for two or three years and something happened. I think I talked about this in our previous podcast, but um, something happened and suddenly I started seeing discarnate spirits, which I'd never seen before. And right. it was in one way, it was like I still knew the difference between people and souls and bodies and souls not in bodies. I knew the difference, but it was really distracting because the difference was not as much as it should have been. Oh. It, it took me kind of a week to, you know, stop looking to sort of direct the radar toward the people in bodies and not see the people not in bodies because there's 10 times as many of them as there are us. And it's really distracting. Yeah, especially. So, yeah, go ahead. That's why I find these those ghost hunter shows so funny. Like they're looking for ghosts and like. Machines, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's fine. They, those machines can sometimes pick up perturbations in the energy field, but you yeah. can't, can't beat a uh, natural third eye to see this stuff. Um, so, so it yeah. does take a discipline. And then in the case of these, uh, uh, Diksha and Shakti transmission things there, there, there's usually an, an unconscious, um, yeah. wound based motive that is operating there that where there's the people are not taking responsibility for their third eye gifts and ways, yes. as evidenced by a hairdresser doing it to people or a massage therapist doing it to people who haven't even asked, which is unconscionable. Yeah. yeah. Unconscionable is the right word. So that's as much uh, airtime as I want to give to Diksha. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a steaming pile of Schweinescheisse uh, <laughs> uh, uh, when it's ill-advised coming from a paradigm that thinks earth is a toilet. And when the real truth of earthen uh, uh, existence is that it's it's also an equal real estate of divine being as any other subtle uh, dimension, this this um, heavily gravi gravi gravitational and edgedly dense universe, especially in Earth here, that's part of uh, um, uh, uh, divine real estate also. And so there's nothing to escape from. There's nothing to escape from. And that's what leads us right into Kundalini here. Um, it's really an interesting topic, Kundalini, because you'll you'll hear that term bandied about. And I've known personally a few a few people who will who all tell the same story that they feel something rising uh, from their first chakra moving upwards uh, through their central canal in some way and opening or blossoming the chakral um, pinwheels uh, that are on the front and the back of each chakral structure until it reaches six and then seven and then they have some sort of event and when that happens um, uh, then they're enlightened in some in some manner i know uh, one uh, woman uh, here locally where brie and i live who was going on to become a world famous author, um, and all, and she had a, a, a Kundalini type experience. Mm -hmm. But whenever I look at Kundalini, and I knew her, so I was able to look at her field, and oh, that's what's going on. And that that told me when I looked in the Akashika what what is actually going on with Kundalini. And so Kundalini is all energy based. It's all energy based. And as if you've been listening to fifty three previous podcasts or fifty four, you'll know identity's uh, take on that thing. Um, it's it's for younger souls, uh, and that's fine that it's for younger souls. It's sort of like an introduction to um, how everything is connected. 
Um, and so uh, they will feel this kind of rising kundalini or snake um, uh, up through their central canal top going out seven. But this is not a non-dual enlightenment. This is more of what we would call an allness. I, I, we don't use the term oneness uh, in this paradigm, allness. It's a much more um, uh, accurate term for how things are all connected. But oneness implies a couple of different things that metaphysically are pretty um, sh on shifting sand. Uh, oneness, to be able to name oneness, you still have to be there experiencing oneness. So this is not non-dual so enlightenment. It's at least you know. two-ness then. It's at least two. One, minutes, there's right. no you there experiencing it, in which case that would make it a non-dual enlightenment, not a one. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so this is this is an energetic um, way to access uh, how everything is connected and allness, and that's fine. And that alone, on a planet that's 75% uh, young souls uh, and Terran souls, um, that's going to um, really um, uh, uh, knock the socks off, uh, make you different than 70% or two-thirds of the planet's consciousness. So you can make a lot of money, and I'm not running down the money. That's fine. You can, but you're serving up uh, to a much larger demographic than identity um, would conserve. Uh, and that's fine. That's fine. It, it helps pe uh, people start the road to maybe spiritual um, transformations. But uh, there's no um, there's no personal uh, um, uh, dynamics to heal to be able to do this. A lot of people will experience this as a trigger of some sort and weren't even intending for the thing to happen. Others try a lot of years to try to activate the chakras in certain ways, breathing and toning and sounding and these kinds of things. But it's mostly for younger souls uh, for an allness um, uh, kind of uh, uh, experience which is not, we're not running it down, but we just want to make the distinction between what identity calls uh, sainthood and sagehood, uh, which is the, so the sort of the way I want to end up uh, uh, closing the uh, circle on shamanism, uh -huh. is uh, is that we, we really break out sagehood as pure scorched earth non-duality, um, the kind that uh, non-dual non gurus or teachers um, have to temper to be able to talk normally with people. Uh, they don't do scorched earth uh, kinds of uh, non-duality. Some do. Um, uh, what's his name? The guy from Massachusetts. Uh, Cohen. Who, Andrew Cohen. Uh, Andrew Cohen, who, who one time uh, some, some one of his uh, followers hurt him, so he had his room at the ashram painted red. Uh, to show the blood that uh, Andrew um, felt in uh, um, in being hurt by this follower, which uh, is just too many ways to um, to uh, uh, talk about how toxic uh, that such a thing is yeah. in, in a bunch of different directions. So, um, in that sense, uh, sagehood is pure scorched earth non-duality, and sainthood involves what we're talking about these two podcasts. Um, third eye gifts, um, dynamicals of a bandwidth of dimensions into the subtle world where other discarnate souls are able to be seen and channeled or listened to or message, get messages with. Um, that's all part of sainthood uh, because there's some relationality between you and the reality of realities that you're swimming in at that moment. There's a there's a duality, even if it's a thinned out duality. There's still an experience or an experience, where scorched earth 
there's no there's no experiencer only yeah. experience. because it, because on the way to non-dual awakening you run into allness yes correct if, if usually if it's usually. if it's not broken out and seen that that's actually a sainthood function then you might stop yes. there Yes, exactly so, right. Yes. Tell me, tell me if this is right about myself because I think it's a decent example. My my level or my awakening attainments or whatever include what we would call isness to some decent degree, and yes. allness to some decent degree. And I know uh -huh. I'm about ankle to knee deep in notness, the last phase. That's the scorched earth territory. But it's, I know it's above, it's above the knees. Above Just the knees. Some, yeah, it's above Wait, the knees. I, I don't know what I don't know. Yes, I, right. but I, I know when I get whiffs of it in myself, and I still end up there. Sometimes there's still this heavy, dreadful fear that comes up that tells me I'm not done with that. Yeah. But if mm -hmm. I were merging saint and sagehood together, I might just right. live in isness and allness and be like, "Oh, I guess I'm awake, and I'm yes. all done." Because oh man, that notness stuff. I mean, it makes me nauseated just to even feel into it. It's still this awful yeah. place. And when you have the sparkly fun isness and allness stuff why would you only a maniac would steer themselves into notness yeah in that, in that sense that level of of, of enlight what they call enlightenment's an artifact of not being able to distinguish between scorched earth non-duality and allness uh, mm -hmm. uh slash oneness which my it, it hurts my mouth to to um say oneness i just um it's difficult for me yeah, so in that sloppy yeah, so in that sense, um, shamanism, this whole topic, is a is a sub subdimension of sainthood, not sagehood. And Kundalini makes this exact error, this artifact. But you, you know, uh, teenage souls uh, make this uh, these kinds of distinct, uh, not make these kinds of distinctions for maybe 100, 150 lifetimes. That's okay. We're just trying to serve a demographic that hasn't been serviceable until now one that required for a certain demographic um, the actual accurate and clinically tested uh, uh, essence of human consciousness definition upon which the whole paradigm uh, pivots. So in that sense, um, I've, I want to talk a little bit about uh, chakras and how they work and how they've been um, uh, changed since 2012 also. Mm -hmm. uh, so in this sense, um, uh, it, it, not not surprisingly, identity um, has some pretty strong opinions about chakras that uh, overlaps somewhat with the ancient Hindu teachings, but departs radically also. And the first one, of course, to say is something that uh, you you and your your beloved and I um, all got around interesting. <laughs> I, I know. I still will never forget that moment where I. Yeah. We did that podcast on it, and I said, yeah. you're never going to believe what Stace said about uh, chakras, uh, that there's actually only six chakras. She's like, oh, yeah, you mean one in seven? And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, that's <laughs> always how it's looked to me. I just never said it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so so let's, there's, I have a, a wonderful little chart. Um, did I, I sent you that chart, didn't I? Uh, uh, I think so. I think so. I could put it up to the camera, but I won't. It's, it's too. Uh, well, I can, when I do the editing, I'll make that appear right now. Oh, oh, all right. That. Great. Oh, yeah. thanks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is that um, the, uh, what I, I'm not really sure. I'm still going back and forth because one day I get one answer and one day I get another answer, but um, uh, identity uh, maintains 
that there's only six chakral structures, the front and back of two, the front and back of three, the front and back of four, the front and back of five, and the front and back of six. That's that's four. Two, three, four, five, six. No, that's five, sorry. That's five chakral structures horizontally oriented. And the sixth chakral structure is the uh, one and seven vertical one. So there's only six chakral structures but that with that, with those six, there's 12 um, chakral pinwheels, two on each of the five uh, horizontal chakral structures and, and two on the vertical one. So that's 12. Uh, and there's and actually you could, um, if you walked, walked around um, with them all, you'd have 12 chakral pinwheels, but only six chakral structures. And these chakral structures, are um are move from uh, uh, across from the front to the back there's a front and back to two a front and back to three front and back from four five and six and two four and six of course in um in uh, identity's picture are yin based um uh, uh chakral structures and one and seven one three five and seven are yang based and so uh in that sense you could say there's seven chakral pinwheels if you don't count the back ones um, but that's that's where people mistook it. Well, there's seven chakra pinwheels, so there's seven chakras. No, uh, there's you see what I mean? There's only six chakra structures. Oh, I get but, it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So in, in that in that sense, um, uh, what a kundalini, well, let's say identity's picture, identity offers that, and this is where I'm not sure when it started, but um uh the Chakral structure four, which is an any from the front and the back. Uh, in the back, you have your soul territory, and your front, you have your human territory. And when you, when your chakra four in the front is open, you're vulnerable to the human experience. And when when it's open in the back, which they're always open, it's just a matter of how they're functioning optimally or not. Um, you're going to get soul information. So a lot of times, if you want to get some soul information infused into your um, into your consciousness, you can breathe in the rear of four, breathe out five, which is the um, the the personal will, breathe in the rear of six, which is soul based information of third eye, and then breathe out uh, seven. What that will do is induce soul territory, soul stuff forward into your human being. Now, it's a little bit of complex what I just said here, but I want to offer that just as a small taste for what we call um, chakra breathing or chakra yoga, uh, as somebody called it. This, uh, this sounds like chakra yoga. Well, I never thought of doing, doing that because yoga is a lot overrated and identity's opinion um uh it's not unhelpful but it certainly serves us a, a, a self-image way more than um transcendence in that when people sense. make it into a spiritual paradigm anyway. yeah exactly exactly so at any rate um when you well, chakra four here's the here's the difference in chakra um uh, flows identity offers that chakra four from front and back uh enters to the central canal and Half goes down as into one, the earth, and half goes up to um, the heavens, quote unquote, out seven. In other words, um, 
younger souls who experience kundalini and say, oh, well, it started in one and all the way up, that that's possible to have that, that quasi-experience because they've not yet known, been taught, or learned how to um, uh, uh, integrate earthen experience with spirit experience. All they've been teaching everywhere in all the religions, Western religions, and the Easters, Eastern ones, it's all about getting the hell out of the human. Because the, the human is always defined as the impediment to some sort of spiritual liberation. It's either the house of the devil, your mind is the and your will, personal will, is the house of the devil in uh, Western religion. And it's the, uh, the, the human is the house of the illusion in the ego. Um, and all of it is, means anything that's human has to be transcended to get to some spiritual real estate, which is now has always been and will always be an artifact and a nonsensical um, dynamic. It's just that it's all based on transcendence of energy to escape the planet. And who can blame? Uh, we were young, younger uh, uh, um, souls. Uh, well, you know, and what just also hit me is how that fits with the survival phase of human existence. It's like when yeah. in a survival yeah. mode, being here is really hard. So you right. want a vacation from it. Right. And exactly. so your spiritual practice is about getting little vacations from it. And somebody then says, well, you can sort of not be here permanently. Ooh, that sounds great. Um, yeah. But it doesn't actually work. No. And, and what, I, what I love about um, your use of the word vacation is the root <laughs> of it is vacate. Yes. Vacate. You vacate the human. Mm. And enough, that's an unwholeness. You, you, I don't know how else to say it. You can't. You can't unhole your way to wholeness. You just can't. Uh, and yet every Eastern and quasi-Western uh, Eastern hybrid uh, yeah. uh, um, is based on this nonsense that you can get to wholeness by unwholeness. Yeah, either if, by realizing that there is no essential self or through right? altruism and selflessness, which is op basically the same thing, only different. Right. Or, yeah. or raise your vibrations to no longer be trapped by maya uh, in, in terms of allness or oneness. You know, yeah. there's three or four different versions of that. Uh, the, the whole, to get to wholeness, you have to work wholeness steps. And the planet never really had, wasn't mature enough, uh, Emoto spiritually, to be ready to um, realize that there's a way uh, in the end to make the human experience and earth and gravitational density part of divinity also, which a lot of these paradigms will say, but then let's get out of here, even though it's part of divinity. Wait, what? 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 Why would you want to get out of it if you define it's part of divine being? Oh, because it's a gross end of it. It's it's uh, no, it's it's either all of divinity everywhere or it's not divinity at all. You can't cut up or segment divine being. So you have to holify your way to wholeness, which means, sorry, folks, um, the personal is just as spiritual uh, as any other aspect of our consciousness bandwidth. And that means connect to earth. And that means making your spiritualizing your human, not transcending it, spiritualizing it. And the only way to spiritualize the human that's what I invented this EBE stuff, this emotive body, emotional body and soulment is that's the only way it, it, it technically an atheist 
can do EBE uh, because it's just about it's a super psychology, you could say. It's a it's a soul-based psychology that allows you to make peace with your first chakra. Um, and so what you said a few moments ago in the non-dual domain, Joseph, um, is when people have sudden enlightenments like uh, Gangaji did uh, with Papaji, just sitting at a table with them one day, whoop, there she went, um, mm -hmm. uh, Shakti field or whatever way she wanted to describe it. But there was no lurking a terror of disappearance or not being that you you report and that's actually the the proof that you're onto the real non-dual which is yeah. why go ahead now yeah. i i uh studied with ajashanti quite a lot and um enough to hear him say because you know he said a lot of things and doesn't often repeat them necessarily and i heard him say once speak exactly to the fear i don't think he, he wouldn't call it the fear of not being but he, he spoke to it and he said some people go through that and some people don't. Right. And that was right. all he said about it. But correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, we would say the people who experience the fear of not being, they're actually healthily processing that fear leading to uh, um, an authentic enlightenment. And the people who don't feel it are transcending at least to some significant degree. Um, I would say to enough of a degree to close off the door to the personal being spiritual yeah uh, and right? so super fascinating that of, of course yeah. as you know i mean he's not a pure zen teacher but he's in the neighborhood that mm -hmm. they wouldn't make a psychological or emotional wound-based distinction like that no um, because no. they don't they just say well everybody's is a little different and they interesting like they don't seem to care about the metaphysical well, why why would one person feel that and right. one not that seems really important you know well, only to the ego, they would say. <laughs> right. You see, it, it's yeah. a, you, you, you can never argue or debate these folks when they, they feel like they're in, in the hands of, um, of ultimate truth. Yeah. We're testing what might be a universal truth uh, about, about the essence of human consciousness. We never would say uh, there's anything absolutely known. So um, the, uh, the ego has been the boogeyman for just about every spiritual teaching, religious or otherwise, since the dawn of time, get the hell out of here, transcend. Um, and Kundalini, for example, is an easy version of an early version of that. So the, yeah, that's exactly what identity would say. You're exactly correct that if you haven't felt the terror, these are an existential mm -hmm. terror uh, of not being um, uh, and the, the terror of being, the terror of not being and the terror of non-being, undergo or underlay um, the uh, three dharmas of personhood, sagehood, and sainthood uh, in opposite order there um, for uh, identity. So in that sense, uh, uh, folks, I'm sorry, um, the flow in one and seven isn't just up. If it's just up for you only, and that's all you ever experience, congratulations, your young soul, keep at it, stick with it, don't listen to what we're saying, stick with your own truth until it becomes, until later on, you dead end in it. But identity offers the end game for all of us is to whole our, holify our way to wholeness. And that means redeeming, redeeming the personal. And that personal is emoto soulful. Uh, by definition, nothing is outside of divine being, nothing, not the earth, nothing. So that means you have to go the other way to find spirit in the human. You have to go down one to find, to anchor 
your holiness with an H in WH whole wholeness uh, uh, by learning how to process the terror of being, which helps you anchor one. And on the sage side, uh, 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 process the terror of not being, which opens up seven. And then finally, the terror of non-being and sainthood, which is adjudicating your personal will with the will of divine being for your life. So um, these kinds of metaphysical distinctions are at the core of all of our offered opinions. No dogma allowed here. Um, uh, so in that sense, uh, if, if that, that one chart that you're going to graft onto the podcast, uh, um, that says it all, if you'll notice, uh, at, at the junction of four, the chakra structure four and chakra structure one and seven, um, you will see that the flow goes downward to one, uh, bifurcates and upward to seven. And it only doesn't do that if you're a younger soul or a teenage soul um, onto spiritual transcendence and energy instead of emotional soulfulness. And there's a, a key distinction right here related to how EBE is working with the soul rather than um, psychologically with the mind. Uh, yes. Just when you talked about um, just a minute ago about the... Um, the sainthood uh, um, enlightenment, the the healing, the terror of non-being. Um, I've been experiencing that recently without doing any sainthood work at all, <laughs> which yes. is, again, it's like, I thought I was doing EBE right now, working with my control, and now I'm dealing with my inability to plan my day and stuff coming up around that. It is, again, another example of an emergent outcome of not only do the the, the outcomes um, surprises, but sometimes you end up actually working on fears you had no intention to be working on. They just come up. Exactly. And I, that's a good point to make here uh, that we haven't made before, Joseph. Thanks. And that is, if a soul, and Joseph qualifies, has many past lives of both saintly kinds of enlightenments and sagely kinds of enlightenments, there's never been any sort of personhood enlightenments because the personal was never deemed spiritual by East or West or real. Um, um, so uh, a lot of us have had sage and saint kind of enlightenments. If you have those in your soul field, that, that's in your soul field. So when you start doing EBE, which is the new thing that's never been available before now, um, that we're emotive beings before we're anything else, uh, uh, it's a soul-based psychology. And it doesn't result in the best that's out there, um, a la Maslow, where we self-actualize. Um, we uh, That's an energetic self-actualization. That's the top of the heap so far until someone comes along uh, psychologically and redefines that for Maslow. But we've always maintained that um, uh, uh, identity brings you to emotive self-authentication, not energetic self actualization and you can you can be full of self-actualized stuff and still have a ton of unconscious wounding at the in the existential unconscious so that's self self um actualization is basically you pay you can pay your taxes you're you're a good person you want wish the well for most people and you don't necessarily rob the uh the corner 7-eleven very often so not very often anyway so you can you qualify for self-actualization by just being a functionally good human being. Um, but uh, self-authentication, emoto, soulful, self-authentication, that's a whole other beast. 
Um, and those, as you qualify for having sage and saint enlightenments in the past, in your past lives, working your personhood is going to uh, and uncover those like um, gas uh, above a, an oil field, uh, methane uh, uh, above an oil field. Those, these things will show up and you're not even looking for them because your past life um, saintly and sagely enlightenments never had a human grounding. They were all based in transcendence or devil um, fears or whatever in the past. Uh, so that's why uh, EBE is so critical, uh, a pivot in our human evolutionary arc I would offer as humans because it finally solifies and divine divinifies mm -hmm. our human. That to me is one of the most compelling things about EBE and again is one of those uh, rewards and a price i was when i started many years ago i was a quite an unspiritual person and it was through i thought i was working on my this life emotional stuff and i just fell into oh it turns out i have all sorts of spiritual gifts and i'm a radically different person i mean i remember the moment for example just being i don't know six or nine months into ebe and I really didn't like children. I still don't like children. I still don't have them. But I had like a visceral like, ugh. And mm -hmm. I remember I was at this restaurant <laughs> in, in Sonoma County. And I saw this baby on the other side of the glass. I think they were outside on the patio. And, and we were inside. And I looked in this baby's eyes. And I just started crying. And I'd never had that. I just saw the beauty of this baby. And I'd never had a reaction like that ever before. It was a, And that was a completely different me. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't sign up for EBE because I wanted to like children, and I, st yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't want to have them. But it's like, yeah, right. It, right. it changes you as you. I think I've said before. I used to say you become a different person who happens to be you, and yes. uh, you don't get to plan or decide who that is. No, if uh, if everything goes to a prearranged expectation, if you keep hitting prearranged expectations, I promise you, you're in delusion land. Mm -hmm. um, it's a uh, real change requires chaos, requires disruption, mm -hmm. and this is a hard sell. Um, they they talk okay. about uh, in modern memes, you know, uh, got to be disruptive to change things, and that is such a, a that's like skipping stones. On a, on a still lake as opposed to deep sea fishing, you know, in terms of wholeness and authenticity. Yeah. Uh, disruption and chaos is what life is, and we're only conditioned to control over or pave over that inherent chaos. There are people after an earthquake who become psychotic because all of a sudden they saw the earth move and buildings collapse and that prearranged picture that tomorrow is gonna look like today is yeah. shattered into psychosis. Um, some of them never recover. So uh, we're only conditioned into this false idea of continuity and expectation becoming the next moment, what you expected in the last moment. Yeah, it, and it's, it's so true about death too, the way people react to death. Um, I've been watching uh, uh, the, the HBO show Succession. Have you watched any of that? A bit. Yeah, uh -huh. it's. I find it absolutely fascinating, as I do all, all films. It reminds me of Six Feet Under um, from years and years ago with dysfunctional oh, yeah. families. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, spoiler alert, I won't say who, someone dies, and, like, the kids are just, they're all freaking out. Like, 
the guy was old. He was yeah. old. Like, are you? They're all just like so upset and in denial. Like, he was. Have you not prepared in any way, shape, or form the inevitability of death? Like, everyone's going to die. And when when the person dies and the people just fall apart, it always has blown my mind. Like, okay, if it's sudden, that's one thing. But if the person's, you know, 80 plus years old, like, why are you so surprised? Why is this so upsetting to you? Right. It's upsetting to control that, like, somehow managed to have some picture that even though they know intellectually that the person's going to die at some point, they they can't actually accept that into an emotive way of processing reality. Oh, and that's the key, that last phrase. I think that was a participial phrase, if I remember my parsing. Uh, uh, I wouldn't it, know. Uh, uh, it's not, what you know in the head is not emotively inhabited, emotosofully inhabited as reality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, you, and then you're blindsided by your emotional reaction of the chaos that was always there. The chaos doesn't just erupt because you change your consciousness. The chaos is always there. It's part of what the Buddha meant when he said life is suffering. We have been trained and conditioned to manage the chaos and unpredictability of life. Uh, And then because in the modern day, we live in homes that are sealed uh, hermetically in some way and protected against the elements. There's an adequate food supply for about 65% of us on the planet, um, not for the remaining 35 still, which is a crime against spirit and humanity. Um, But uh, chaos and disruption is the name of the game. So uh, what we can say about identity is it it will disrupt your life, which is why it's not for the faint-hearted or the young and sold. It will change your life from the inside out and that's that's there's bragging rights to that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you, see, you see what I mean? Even yeah, though as, yeah. as hor- horrific as that is to go through sometimes. Well, and it did give us an, an ability to see through as, you know, as plenty of people outside identity did the pandemic. I was just thinking about mm-hmm. I, sure. I remember I was getting my um, tires rotated at Costco um, like the week. I mean, you know, it was like March, whatever, 10th, 2020. And. Mm-hmm you know, things were starting to sort of build. And I remember seeing people lined up outside the tire place. I was like, what are all these people doing here? Because the main entrance was, you know, 200 feet away. And the Costco line had formed in this, you know, ginormous, unholy mess. um, Because people were, and and I saw this one, I will never forget it, with a shopping cart, um, you know, scurrying away from Costco. And all she had in that cart was toilet paper. That's all she'd gone to Costco for, to get the toilet paper that somehow became the symbol of predictability and um, stability. And I'll have a roll of toilet paper tomorrow. There was no rational explanation for why people were hoarding toilet paper, just because they were afraid. Because suddenly there was something that was going on that was different. Yeah. Maybe we could... uh, you know, because we're kind of closing the chapter on shamanism, maybe we can talk about identity's take on COVID, and that'll lead us uh, into next time, uh, lead us right into current events in some ways. Yeah, uh, I would love to do that because, uh, you know, just as of last week, um, uh, the WHO, what is it, the World Health Organization declared yeah. it over. So uh-huh. it seemed to me it was over like six months ago, but they said it's over. So now it really is over, apparently. Yeah, and we finally got enough 
um, antibodies in the in the population through um, the jab, which, by the way, the antibodies go away after six to eight months on every single one of those jabs. The only ones that are lasting are ones people who get it and recover uh, without long COVID. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and um, Bree and I both caught it uh, that way. Uh, on the way, believe it or not, to visit uh, um, Joseph and his beloved. In, and that's um, how I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we never got the jabs, of course, uh, um, but we got the natural way. And um, I've been on uh, two air airplane flights uh, since then mm -hmm. and uh, without a mask and haven't caught as much as a sniffle mm -hmm. because the combination of um, healthy uh, um, immune system and the fortification of the antibodies that are lifelong lasting, most of them for uh, when you acquire the disease, like chicken pox or uh, anything else. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, the whole pandemic is another whole topic. And how would an emoto soulful paradigm, uh, how would it deconstruct uh, what happened uh, to this planet? And I mean, this planet uh, by this COVID nonsense uh, that uh, kills one half of 1% of the population and yet we wrecked the whole, uh, put a hole in the whole world economy for something that kills one half of 1% of the of the. Yeah, but we also population. sold a lot of vaccines that were not actually vaccines. No, no. A vaccine means it prevents you from getting the thing, and they didn't do yes. that, but we still call no. them vaccines, which is very confusing to me. Well, it was that was part of the sleight of hand. Let's save all that juicy bullshit um, for, that they fed us about COVID. Uh, we're not right-wing um, uh, uh, people over here, conspiracists. We're not. We're right in the middle between left and right on everything. Um, and uh, But uh, in this, in the COVID sense, we're definitely right of center. Uh, well, relative, we were astonished to find ourselves agreeing about a third of the time with rabid right wingers yeah. <laughs> about it for the wrong, for the wrong, but all for different reasons. Yeah. But it, and uh, agreed with the behaviors here. It was all overblown. But we'll save that for next yeah. time. Otherwise, let's we'll get do too that. Excited about ranting about that. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have a rant fest next time. <laughs> So we covered Kundalini, Diksha, Shakti stuff of all kinds. I guess that pretty much exhausts that for now. Um, it does. And just to remind uh, everyone that, again, everything we said about shamanism, which, as we said last time, is uh, taking the world by storm in some way uh, in both plant-based um, psychedelics, uh, like we talked about last time uh, a lot, uh, and uh, all the way down to uh, energetic transplants and grafts. Um, both <laughs> in helping you be uh, not get drunk uh, or, um, uh, or or win or lose board games, you know, uh, uh, they, this whole thing of shamanism, it's part of sainthood. And uh, we have to learn how to manage and solify that whole paradigm of shamanism. And that, that we do do that as, the, as a sub, sub uh, bandwidth of sainthood in, uh, in identity. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stace, and thank you, listeners, for listening and or watching. Of course, we're on YouTube, as hopefully everybody knows by now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, tune in next time. We'll start going into cover, cover, uh, current co covered events, current events, beginning with the <laughs> pandemic. We can talk about the pandemic now that it's over, you know, right? So, uh, <laughs> that's what you do. The thing ends, and then you talk about it. 
Yeah, exactly right. And um, yeah, we can talk about uh, Trump and uh, the, new, the upcoming presidential race because we're getting ready for that. Um, being you betcha. November, people are declaring Biden is running again. Very exciting. Round two of Trump and Biden. <laughs> Beginning a new exciting. season of the Trump show. I've seen the whole Trump thing as a, like a TV series, you know, like yeah. you know, he announces yeah, yeah. and then the season ends or he wins. And that was the beginning of a new season. And Right, right, exactly. Well, he just got the. Uh, well, we'll talk about the next time. He, yeah, just he just got. He, he just lost the uh, the civil uh, suit. Yeah. Right, civil suit. So, um, the 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 dominoes are going to start to fall, um, uh, and it just depends on um, how uh, how much the the uh, uh, the um, group or the guild of of um, of uh, what, oh, what did I say GOP stands for now. The I forget of, that one. Uh, I forget. Uh, depends on how self-destructive they are that they want to go with uh, Trump as a as a nominee again, even though he's got a passel of looming um, uh, uh, um, suits and uh, investigations against him. How about him. Uh, goofy oligarchical politicians? Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, the far right in that sense, uh, uh, they can't tell the difference between democracy and fascism. It's really interesting. <laughs> it really is interesting. Uh, 40% of the people uh, and 80% in the in the grand old party, as it used to be stand for, um, can't tell the difference between democracy and fascism. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's a tough one, too, for, me, for my brain to uh, process. So we'll talk about that next time, too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you, Stace. Right. Thank you, listeners. Until next time, wish you well on your journey. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.